Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our Game Changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. I am Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then, buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and, of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. Well, welcome everybody once again to the heart and soul of the Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studios on Highway 45 in beautiful West Point, Mississippi. Highway 45 alternate a, south. A south. I can depend on Dudley to correct me. 45A. So that's Lanny right there, who's still undefeated as a uh, heavyweight UFC fighter. Is my understanding, and then on the other side of me, we have wow. Dudley Phelps, <laughs> who is also undefeated is, yeah. as a heavyweight fighter. So, uh, no, today we're just gonna kind of having fun. It's uh, you know today's date, September tenth. Tomorrow is September eleventh, and I think we should kind of well, pay a little reverence to that. Yeah, absolutely. Do y'all remember where you were? I remember. I do. September eleventh. No where doubt. were you, Dudley? Well. I was in the Delta in a little town called Bull, Mississippi. I was a student at Delta State, and I was checking bull weevil traps and working at a restaurant and going to school. Where were you when you saw the news? I was at my house yeah. watching the news in bed. I think it was a weekend. And we no, was during, no week. it was during the week. Yeah. Yeah. So I was skipping class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about in you? In bed. Man? Uh, I very specifically remembered I was living in town as before I lived, uh, even more rural than West Point, um, before I moved further out in the river bottom, but, um, got up, um, remember glancing at the TV or not glancing at the TV, no, turning the radio on. That's right. Got out, jumped in my truck, coming to work here, cranked up my truck and the radio said that a Cessna had run into one of the towers. And I remember riding to work going. Well, that was weird. I mean, how did he not see that tower? And I was, see, I was going through, like, the guy have a heart attack. Yeah, it didn't you know, register yeah, with me either. It didn't really make any sense. And then I remember walking into the downtown office at Mossy Oak and everybody being gathered around the TVs and seeing, you know, the second plane hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just this eerie, eerie feeling, you know. It's like, what is really going on here? Um, it was eerie. It but was, it, it was uncertain. You know, I've never been through my generation, the X generation. It's your generation too, mm-hmm. Bobby. Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we've never been through, you know, anything dramatic like that, uh, or, or I think on our own home soil. So it was a, 
very sobering to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, the guy, you remember CJ Davis? Yeah. And he was working with us at the time. And I remember um, we had a truck stuck at Cottrell Lake. <laughs> we were trying to get out there and get it. And then just having the conversation, you know, because gas pumps and everything was just so crazy. Um, but that's way better story than mine. So where, where were you, Bobby? Well, I, I was. I went teal hunting with Tim Brooks, uh, and we came out of the river and went to a little diner in Columbus, and we're sitting there, and one plane had hit the tower, mm-hmm. and we sat there watching it, and we both were just, you know, we just couldn't believe what was happening. Just kind of, it was surreal. There. It was almost like you were watching a movie. Yeah, you know, Cuz had Wilhelmino on last week, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the hunt. fistful of dirt yeah, podcast. Of dirt podcast. Y'all be sure and tune into that one. But, uh, you know, he's a good friend of ours. I think uh, he was one of the Port Authority police, was trapped under there. And when they got him to the hospital, they were trying to, you know, be uber respectful of him, obviously, and said, hey, if there's one person in the world we could get on the phone for you to talk to, who would it be? And they were expecting, you know, I'm sure, like, Tom Brady or something like that. And he said, Cuz Strickland. <laughs> yeah. And, and Cuz and Toxie picked up the phone and called him, and that's where our relationship started. So, great man. Um no yeah, doubt about it. That's you, a good. That's a, a good story. If anybody gets a chance to listen to that, they should. Yeah, and they should. Speaking of toxic, one of the stories that I remember of September 11th was at that time, Lanny, you're in my boss, Daryl Dague, was stuck out in like Washington oh, yeah. State, and they had grounded all the airplanes, so he couldn't fly home, and and you couldn't get rental car. Mm-hmm. Everything was crazy, Everything and, was and Toxie ended up. Calling a Chevrolet dealership out there and bought a truck on and, the credit card. On the credit card, yep. and Daryl drove home with it. And when he got back here, uh, sold the, sold we, the truck. Know, sold, sold the truck. But I just was so impressed that a he thought of that, right? And b he would do that, right? And c he did that. He did that. And then Cuz, you know, Amy was in Washington. Cuz's daughter. So he saw the towers hit. He got in his truck and went straight up there. You know, he didn't even blink, yeah, blink an I eye. I remember that. Went up there and went to get her. Uh, and the third thing about Daryl, too, I said, what would you do, Daryl, when you got the truck? He said, I went and bought all the gas cans I could and filled them up in the back. He said, we weren't stopping coming that, home. That was a crazy time. But so tomorrow, September 11th, and I'm not sure when people will listen to this. It'll obviously, it'll be after September 11th, but I just wanted to point it out. No, nah, make sure it's, we, it's very important for us to remember. We're respectful to the, to the date, so. Yeah. So with that said, let's move on a little bit. I see we've got some topics here, and uh, uh, you, you took the boys on a dove shoot. Yeah, program? you know we always talk about the MDWFP a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Got lucky, and you know they have some youth hunts available. And actually, me and Jason McKellar, a good gamekeeper uh, compadre here at, at Mossy Oak, our, all of our boys drew. So, and they're all good friends. So it was a super exciting time. Uh, I don't know if y'all. You know, spent much time with young boys that are just learning to shoot on a dove field. But the main thing is shoot, and they love to shoot. So I think we did more fire-ready aim than anything, uh, but they had a really good time. So it, it, it's fun. When do you grow out of that? I don't. I, you don't. Yeah. I don't think I grow out of that part with, no. uh, with doves. No, I don't. No, it's fun. And I it, don't take long shots like I used to, but I yeah, shoot a did. lot. They were, they would, uh, you know, the birds would be coming in. They're like, I was like, uh, and they're like, what about that one? I'm like, it's a little too far. And they're like, can we still shoot it? And I'm like, sure. Yeah, well, we came out. The wardens, you know, the wardens actually put the hunt on, so it's it's phenomenally run. Uh, and we came out, and you you know, you check your birds with them, 
And we came rolling out five. I was like, well, man, we heard y'all shooting. How many times y'all shoot? I was like, I don't know. We burned through some boxes of shells. And how many doves did y'all have? And we had four. And he was like, well, that's good. But actually, we had only killed two. My dog, you know, did a little recon for us and picked some up that it went and flew in the bushes. With good work, Goose. Good work, Goose. Goose, Goose. How do they decide where everybody's going to sit? It's very organized. Um, it's a 50-acre field, and they they literally go out there and hang uh, ribbons for where you should get it really spaced out really carefully. Because you can imagine, I mean, a public duck hunt could be, I mean, public um, dove hunt could get kind of Anything. Safe. Yeah, and, and look, they give you the things catered. The uh, game wardens give you a safety briefing, and then they take every one of the kids out and they make them shoot skeet at skeet range. The game wardens go through swinging and gun safety with them and everything else, and then everybody loads up in a big caravan and goes out to the field. Yeah. So they were actually had, uh, I'm going to call it dirty sunflowers. I don't know if anybody's ever, I know we've, we've talked about dirty, dirty, corn. dirty corn a lot, but you know what they've done there uh, is a mix of sunflowers and brown top millet. And uh, they're taking a, I believe it's called a do-all, um, which is a not that common a piece of an equipment, I don't imagine. Um, but they're kind of sought after. Yeah, very sought after. It's an older piece, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's got chopping kind of things in the front and then like a hera in the back. Uh, is, in that, is that what Yeah, that? it's usually like a... It's like a chisel plow and then or a disc and then a bunch of chisels and then it'll have like a roller thing yeah, or the roller, it'll have like a board in the yeah. back that that drags and and maybe they built this thing custom because I you know I've heard you know everybody talk about duals but this thing had blades that had a little bit of curve to them on cylinders yeah you know, long, but you could see air between it you know what I mean and then after that it had a a, a very heavy heavy drag. So, so it was chopping, chopping the sunflowers, mm-hmm. and then you know, but it was boiling up dirt too. So when you would go out there, there would be just clean dirt and sunflower, and you know, brown top millet out there. Mm. Nice. So. For one time, you didn't have to worry about being legal. That's right, or illegal. I was. I didn't have to worry if the field was legal. Yeah, and they all, you know, it's a great experience. Did for it sure. make you nervous being around that many game wardens? I don't get nervous around game wardens. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> I think I've been around it so much. The only time I really got nervous in, in uh, around a game warden was when we had Portland Landing. And um, the guy I was talking about earlier, C.J. Davis, and I spent a lot of time down there, and he had this, you know, Dodge 1500 four-wheel drive truck. Uh, and, and we had these old Suburbans that we, you know, worked the place in. Well, I came around the corner, and I saw this four-wheel drive Dodge truck in front of me. And I said, oh, I'm going to get him. And I punched it and came around him on them gravel roads, slinging, you know, <laughs> right beside him. I looked. It wasn't CJ. It was the game warden. Oh, like, man. Hello. <laughs> I <laughs> waved hey. at him. He waved at me. And I, said, I waved at him like this to follow me. And I pulled in the lodge. You know, I don't know if I was getting trouble. And I was like, you want some breakfast? He's like, I'm starving to death. I'm like, well, come on in here. Let's eat some eggs. <laughs> I thought you were somebody <laughs> I, else. I did. I said, I thought you were CJ. I'm so sorry. He got a kick out of that. Only you. Rest of us would have been arrested. Yeah, mate. Well, oh, it was Yolanda. She bailed me out with the eggs. Mm. Mm. Boy, she had some mm. good she, eggs. She could do it. Oh, but so what? Uh, with you did a you, you've been talking about necropsies for a couple of weeks. It's a, like a new word you learned. And yeah, you've been talking uh, about it, but did you necropsy it's an old your word. It's an old old word. I picked well, it up. I'm from, saying it's a new word to you. I, I know the Bodoc, uh, Doctor Bumgardner. Yeah. Uh, back in the Lee Haven days, 
took great pleasure in his post-mortem necropsy. Yeah. So that's where I got the word from. I didn't really realize until today that, you know, necropsy is uh, referring to post-mortem examination on animals. Well, an autopsy is on humans. So, yeah, necropsy. But, yeah. There's a lot that can be learned from mm-hmm. seeing what your deer are eating. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Or your doves. Or your doves. Or turkeys. Yeah, and we've got some pictures of um, some dove. I guess it's a crop or a crawl. Whatever you want to call it. Crop, crawl, whatever it was. Um, what is, it's a crop, isn't it? Some people call it a crawl. Yeah. Or a crawl. And don't they, I was, they, they put gravel in that thing? That's in the gizzard. That's in the gizzard. That, so that's why you see them pick around. And yeah, so the food just kind of sits in the crop for a while, and I'm, I'm sure there's some kind of enzyme that helps pre-digest, and then mm-hmm. it goes into the gizzard, and it gets chopped up and with the gravel that they eat. Helps grind it down. Gizzard's my favorite part of the dove. Oh, how about so? I like saving the hearts and the gizzards. I've been thinking about saving the hearts because I love duck heart. Right, and you save the hearts and the gizzards, and when you fry your doves— you also fry those and then put them back into the gravy when you're done. This is next level dove eating talk right oh, here. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it might. I always give copper the hearts. Do you? Yeah, that, I, sometimes I'll give the heart to my cat or something. Have you ever had it. duck hearts? Yeah, they're great. Uh, no, excellent. If you're asking me, no, I have not. Well, the next time we kill some ducks, which is hopefully coming up soon, we're going to go straight to the camp and we're going to sear some fresh duck hearts. And you're going to love them because they are good. <laughs> well, I'm not going to doubt you. I've, I've tried a lot of things, but uh, liver and heart and all that. I'm not an organ. Enjoyed that. I'm not an organator. Not, no, not at I all. D- but, I didn't think I was. Yeah. But I do like the heart. I don't like deer heart. I like duck heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I killed a moose one time. And they cut the heart out. How big was that thing? He, like 1,200 pounds. He was the heart was? No, no, no. Did they make you eat it raw? No, but they, they, they did. The Newfoundlanders, did, they, they was prized to them. Mm-hmm. But it was huge. And they cut it out, and I don't know what ended up happening to it. Well, I'm doing a lot of food research, obviously. You know, it's near and dear to all of us here. But it's interesting to see the dynamic of the, you know, the hunter changing. Uh, and it's definitely more food-related. It's being fueled by the local vor or whatever you want to call the movement, field to plate, farm to plate, whatever it is. People want to know where their food's coming from. I actually read an article, which I thought it was a lot dated, but it was actually from 2018 where, uh, um, oh, God, I forgot the writer's name, but it was about his wife encouraging him. Uh, he brought home a doe, and, and she said, would you please bring back a fawn next time? You know that's my favorite one to oh eat. What? Like, yeah, I have to show it to you. I was like, man, they get next level with it. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But Well, back to the necropsy thing. It's just so interesting to me that, uh, you know, you plant sunflowers or uh, put out plant wheat uh, or millet or whatever for your doves but uh, most of the time when you see what's inside their crop you'll see the wheat or the sunflower but you see all kinds of other stuff too yeah and uh, I've, I've seen where people will plant the seeds in there to find out what it, it's just fascinating to me yeah. i see a lot so, of those woolly croton seeds in yeah there. is that all brown top millet i've uh, got the actual lanny's showing me a photo of a it picture of this uh, that looks like millet to me yep. yeah I see a wheat, 
I see some sunflower, and I see the millet. I don't see anything else. Sometimes you'll surprised. see like bahia grass. That's what I was or, expecting to see. Or, or some goat, goat <clears throat> weed or something like that. Have y'all ever killed a wood duck in the, in the afternoon, late in the afternoon, and their their craw will just be full of acorns? Full of acorns. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how they get so many. Stuff in them in there. And then during the night, I guess, that gizzard processes all those. Yeah, it's amazing. I found a pecan in a duck before. We're talking about, I mean, you know how big a pecan is. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and I was looking turkeys, too. And you'll see like a bug and then a clover flower. Yeah. <laughs> or like those little yellow flowers. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Are those things actually prehistoric? I know we're going to talk about fertilizer a little bit later on, but I've always heard those yellow flowers in all those fields is actually coming from the inert matter, which we'll talk about in a little bit in fertilizer. Is a prehistoric flower. Dudley? That's interesting. All right. Don't know about that one. I might need to put my tinfoil hat on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I know the only place you see those flowers are in fertilized ag fields. Uh, buttercup. Not, I'm not talking about the buttercup. I'm talking about that low one. You know, to me, a buttercup's got that tubal. Right. You know, and is in house places. and But this are... You know, I mean, it's just those yellow flowers that are all over ag fields in the spring. Hmm. Turkeys always try in. Well, that's something we'll have to research like to that and, out. and get back. But yeah, then. get your tin hat out, tin foil hat out. You probably need to do that. So, all right, well, let's get this thing kind of back on track here. Yeah. Not that we've gotten off track. So, are we going to post these necropsy photos? Is that too uh, graphic for the social media days? We'll have to find yeah. out. I wouldn't think Is so. It's just seeds. It's just seeds. Yeah, I took a picture of it without the dove in it so be interesting to see what everybody else is in the um the crawl crop whatever you want to call it of doves across the country maybe playing a little identify that seed (laughs) it's just so cool Uh, yeah yeah it is well so look today on this episode of the gamekeepers podcast we're going to we're going to have Todd Amonrude on we're we're going to talk about the next issue which is the fall issue which is being Printed and bound and mailed uh, this this next week, so uh, that the fall issue is always a real is one that everybody looks forward to because it's got a lot of planning advice, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, in it. So and it's the season kickoff. It, it really yeah. is. So that's a good. We're going to talk to Todd, and then um, I, I see that during the have a chat with Dudley, we're going to talk about uh, a lot about fertilizer. A lot about fertilizer. Which is interesting. <laughs> and then at some point, we're going to, you've got down here, you'd like to talk about muscadines. So I've got a special little treat for us when we get to the oh, muscadine section. So. I'm excited. About and then muscadine. looking across, you know, I didn't introduce Jason Cleveland a little bit earlier. Shame on me. But he's our producer. And uh, he, when I mentioned treat, he, he woke up over there. He's looking at me now. He loves to eat muscadines. That is the reason it's on the list. I have a pile of muscadine <laughs> seeds in front of my computer, too. Well, Jason is a health nut, and I think he, I heard him say that they were really good for antioxidants, so I'm guessing he doesn't even have any oxidants Oxidants, he's all anti. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Blueberries, too. Um, I'd also like to personally thank Jason for figuring out what the hiss was yeah. in our previous podcasts. Was it in every one of them? You know, I have bad hearing, and I can't hear it. Well, my family hear told me there was a little hiss while everybody was talking. Gotcha. And, and I think Jason fixed that today. You know, speaking of just this podcast, 
I think all of us have done radio shows before, and you're always in such a rush to say everything you want to say in that that live, you know, that ninety seconds that they give you. But this has, you know, it's very relaxed, and it's just you just talk. So chewing fat. There's no, there's no like (laughs) pressure to get it done. Hall talk in a certain. I I love the informalness of it. Mm -hmm. I like a good conversation. Could open one. Good for the soul. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. So, why don't we? Without uh, look, today's show is is we're gonna we're gonna uh, it's gonna be sponsored by Spartan Cameras. Spartan boy, give give a little talk about a good piece of equipment. Yeah, it is. It's it's uh, it's amazing because you you'll be sitting somewhere and your phone will light up Mm -hmm. and there is a picture. I just love the fact that it can send it to your phone. That is amazing. Well, they've really thought it out. What's amazing to me is my farm is so rural that there is one place that you might be able to get a phone call out or receive a text. And I can put those cameras anywhere on my property, and it will take photos and send me those photos immediately after taking it. It's amazing. Um, it, it, really it uses a little more battery if you're like down in a holla or something where the reception is just terrible. But, uh, you know, I put it on a ridge, and even alkaline batteries are lasting three, four, five months. Wow. I'm taking pictures all day. I'll tell you. Uh, it's, it's, I've never had batteries last that long. I don't know what you're doing. That's impressive. Well, maybe it's not taking as many pictures as yours. But well, the de- uh, no doubt the development team to put that thing together is They're state of the art. Yeah. everything. You know, the first time when we talked about doing some stuff with them, they're like, well, I was very critical. To your point, Dudley, I'm like, look, we can't get a 3G phone call out of these things. My phone goes dead at the places where we are. So Bobby took one of them to the most sparse yes. cell phone coverage. You can't get a text out. You cannot even get a text out. And then wouldn't you know it, he's got pictures of turkeys for me to shoot coming into his phone. Yeah, right no, that's not true. They, they weren't turkeys for you to shoot. <laughs> yeah. But I was, I mean, literally, we can't get any service down there. You cannot, if you if you need to text, when I had that kidney stone, I like to never got a text. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, help! <laughs> help! <laughs> but, but it's got four bars down there. It's yeah. amazing. I don't know if it's the antenna or what it is, but it works. I, I mean... I don't really care what it is. They know what they're doing, and yeah. I trust them. I can call them uh, and get an answer every time, and they understand your problem. Uh, I, I've, I had one problem, and that was just when I was setting it up. I mm-hmm. had some trouble, and they, oh, oh, okay, boom. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. you know, there's a uh, – so on their website, if you go to the Spartan website, there's a biologic camera. It's in mossy oak camo. It's a good-looking camera, and it works. Of course, it's a good-looking camera. It is. It is. All right, guys, well, let's move along. Why don't we take this chance to uh, let's call Todd, uh, Jason, get him on the phone, and when we come back, guys, we'll have Todd. Todd Amaru, the editor. Is he the editor-in-chief, or is he just the editor? Yeah, he likes to be called editor-in-chief. Editor-in-chief, I get it. The editor-in-chief of the Gamekeeper magazine. Why No. The Gamekeeper magazine is our life outdoors on paper. We love Gamekeeper's magazine. It's full of great information. Full of ideas on how to make the habitat better. From plots to trees to whitetails and waterfowl. It's total farm management. 
There's so much information in GameKeepers, especially when it comes to managing your property. You can't go wrong if you want to improve your habitat for wildlife. Pick up our GameKeepers magazine. GameKeepers, the journal of wildlife stewardship. Hello. Hey, Todd. It's Bobby and Landon Bobby. and Dudley and Jason here. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good, good. We wanted to take a little time and catch up with you. I know the fall issue, I'm sure you're relieved that it's done and at the printer. And uh, we just wanted to kind of ask your opinion of it, what you thought, and get maybe even find out what some of your favorite articles, just to kind of tease people with what's coming. Yeah, sure. Oh, wow. See, I'm already on to winter, so I've kind of almost forgotten what's in the fall, but I know there was uh, fall tends to be a bit more hunting heavy rather than solely management. We put some uh, hunting related articles in there, and uh, Gerald Almy has one on, on funnels. Uh, I know Ron Jolly had a great one, I thought, on wildlife bridges. Bridges? Uh, Wildlife bridges? Bridges. Kind huh. of bridging uh, it with now with all our man-made section dividers and agriculture. You know, uh, wildlife can't travel from a one woodlot to another as easy as they could in the past. And uh, uh, it, it's actually pretty good. I, I learned a thing or two from it. So he's oh, taking, got, he's uh, taking uh, cutting the fence, top barbed wire on the top wire on the fence to the next level. He has. Mm-hmm. That's, well, that's more what I would consider to be a funnel. These uh, are more, you know, plants and cover to make them feel comfortable about, you know, going from one place to another. Like but, a transitional uh, zone? Yeah, the, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, um, the funnels and the corridor are, are, are wildlife bridges, I guess you would, you would say, are, are really two different articles, though, that, that kind of marry well together uh, we got our normal stuff on uh, you know a little bit on managing fisheries and we got uh, fly fishing we got a uh, piece on terrestrials for uh, uh fall trout and- I, I really enjoyed reading over mm-hmm. that one one thing i'll say todd I, you know dudley's right across the hall from me so generally when you guys send that to us to edit and look through I usually hear Dudley groaning and moaning and as he's reading through and stuff, and I didn't hear much of that this time. So I'm thinking that there weren't as many grammatical. Yes, that, that I'm that, getting. I, I'm getting better. I Dudley embarrasses me. Dudley's <laughs> the best proofer. He does. He's the best proofer that that I know of. He catches the you know where there's a a uh, pro, I possibly properly spelled word there but it's not the actual word i mean he catches the 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 most hard to catch proofs that's that's dudley and he embarrasses me i you know editor i I ought to have that stuff but he he finds my mistakes all the time well everybody's getting better too um and there's some people that i almost don't even have to read it i trust them so much but no, I do anyway. That would not be me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Bob. I Hump- would agree. I would agree. Shout out to <laughs> shout out to Bob Humphrey. Yeah, the Humpty Hump. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Or the or the Jollies. The are Jollies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, absolutely. Uh, Mark Thomas. Yeah. yeah. I love Gerald's stuff. Uh, you know, I, 
I've just enjoyed reading his stuff. To I mean, I, there, we've got so many good. Yeah, we've got a great. And and that's what's so writers. neat about yeah. what we have. Um, you know, we didn't all grow up writing articles. We grew up hanging out outside and mm-hmm. uh, being in the outdoors and doing all kinds of cool habitat stuff. So a lot of that, a lot of those articles come in a little bit rough because we're not trained. Uh, you we, know, we dangle our participles is what you're trying to right. say. <laughs> so, um, you're you know. talking to one of those right here. I, you know, if you would have told me in, you know, high school English that I'd have a job editing, a magazine one day I'd have laughed at you. Yeah. Um, that's, that's when you had the band together, wasn't it, Todd? <laughs> it, it was, yep, yep, back in those days. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it, uh, I would just as soon have authors that really know what they're talking about when it comes to wildlife and managing wildlife than a great writer. I, totally, I couldn't yeah. agree more. Yeah, we all I, agree. I think that's kind of what sets us apart. Well, you know, this magazine... With that said, we have some good writers, though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, this magazine, I think we're in... It, maybe it's going into its 11th year. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm just so proud of how that thing is is held on. And, you know, magazines have kind of gone through a little time period where maybe they weren't valued as much as they mm-hmm. were in the past. I mean, I'm going back in time three or four or five years when it digital kind of started getting to be a big thing. Right. But it seems now like people are thinking of a physical magazine as more of a premium. Yeah. And enjoy holding that magazine and sitting there and reading it rather than, you know, we've got through, you know, Lanny understands all this and was able to set up the where you can look at the magazine on your iPhone if you want to. Mm-hmm. Where do they do that, Lanny? Is that on the app? Yeah, there's a Gamekeeper magazine app that you can go and, and, and download it. So, I mean, that's what we're doing. We're serving, you know, a younger audience and an older audience when right. it comes down to it. But I still like to hold that magazine. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the, you know, the bathrooms of every hunting <laughs> camp were uh, growing up were littered with magazines that we read about. So now we're lucky to, in, been, in a time when magazine, uh, printed magazine subscriptions are eroding, we're, we're still doing well. Mm. Uh, and, and I think it's due to just what y'all were talking about, the variety of content. It's a one-stop shop where you can get, you might learn about wildlife bridges. You know, you might learn about water quality. And, of course, you're going to learn about, you know, getting the most out of your land as far oh, as wildlife diverse. is concerned. I mean, it'll have Dudley, uh, because of Dudley and Todd, it, you know, it'll have stuff about pollinators. Mm-hmm. It'll have stuff about trees. And it, it's it's very diverse. We've got the gun section now. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gamekeeper gear, and so it it is a really diverse magazine. I would encourage if anybody's listening, it's a, it would be a great something to gift somebody for Christmas. That gamekeeper in your life, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been told I've been told numerous times that it people prefer the printed copy because they keep them, they use them for reference. Yeah, we've heard that too. Well, that is a big accolade for. The guy that puts that magazine together. Yeah, that's you, Todd. Which is on the horn. Well, I just, I like uh, putting, I learn so much by editing the magazine because, I, you know, I'm forced to. I, I better make sure it's correct before it, before it gets put in print. But uh, I learn so much, and I think of myself as that average guy. I got ground. I like to plant and, and hunt deer and hunt other wildlife and um, if I find it interesting, I think 
a good majority of our readers would too. And I think all you guys sitting in that room probably feel the same way. So, yeah, it's interesting. I heard I've heard Toxie say a lot, and I heard Mark Dury say it. Actually, what the allure of it is is the information, the fact that you can always continue to learn and keep improving and keep working on it. And I heard both of those guys reference that, not in, in at the same table at the same time, and it was real clear to me. You know, it is. It, I mean, that is what we just want to keep on learning about the things that we love. So, Well, and one thing. That- well, that's one reason why I like getting the queries from from all of our writers spread throughout the, the continent, really. And, and I like them giving me their ideas on things that they find interesting. And, you know, some of them just don't have imagination, so you have to provide topics for, for a, a good bunch of them. But uh, the, the, the best ones are, for instance, we just had um, uh, uh, one by Tessali on creating honeysuckle enclosures. Yeah, that was I good. didn't know a thing about that. That was great. I enjoyed that. Uh, that was I, I've written down to mention to ask everybody what their favorite article coming up was, and that was my favorite article. Now I don't expect it was Dudley's favorite article because there is some controversy about honeysuckle, but well, oh, oh certainly, <laughs> certainly. But if it's there and it's going to be nasty, you might as well try to use it to your advantage. But she spelled, yeah, I, she spelled I that both out. Sides. Yeah, yeah, she totally spelled that out. We all have a right to our opinions. And I, I think she did a good job uh, with the pros and cons, and, and it is here to stay. So um, I'm sure we'll get some positive and negative feedback about that article, but I encourage it. I, oh, I think sure. We sure. need to discuss that kind no, of stuff. No, it needs to be the kind. And, we, yeah. and, and death to the popcorn tree. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things that we work so hard is to try to make sure that if a guy – lives in Ohio, that there'll be some relevant topics for mm-hmm. Ohio. Or if he lives in, uh, you know, some other region of the country, this isn't just a southern magazine because we're a southern-based company. It's, it, it's got a really northern fingerprint to it. I mean, time. you got Bob Humphrey in there. Yes. Where the is, Maine. Where is he, Ver- Vermont Maine. or somewhere? He's yeah. Maine. Maine. Yeah, okay. That's as northeastern as you get. It is. The old lump. He's a... He's an interesting cat. Hey, yeah, he's, he, he's been with us. I mean, we've had a relationship here many, many years. He always used to come to Portland. You hear me talk about Portland a lot. And he's like, man, I love coming down here with y'all. said, y'all all talk like you got a bunch of marbles in your mouth. <laughs> talk, I mean, talk about it. I mean, the dream life. He's an outdoor rider. He he goes all over the place hunting. He's got an offshore boat, catches bluefin tuna mm-hmm. during tuna season. I mean, come on. And wasn't he a game warden? I think I he, was. he may have been way back in the day. I, I don't remember. Well, his his uh, carnal knowledge of of wildlife is impressive. That's for sure. He's a killer. He is a killer too. Mm-hmm. Very very impressive uh, wildlife biologist. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I just learned though that he he fishes for bluefin. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and I know, you know Casey. Cool. I think he's like second gen too. I think his dad did it too. And lobsters. Oh, that's great. Lobsters up there. Oh, yeah. 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 I, anyway, shout out to you, Hump. <laughs> so uh, then there's another article that I listed as my favorite. I kind of had two, but um, the one where I asked you some questions about silencers for, for rifles. Right. Th- there was a lot of good information there. I tried my hardest to put it more in layman's terms and not all the tactical definitions and stuff. Uh, 
for me, I've, I've just got hearing damage, and I, I can't shoot a gun again unless my ears are protected. So, Yeah, everybody uh, should protect their ears. I went that huh? route, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite thing about them is it takes the kick away. Mm. So, I didn't realize it reduced recoil. Yeah, I didn't. I, you know, deadly. Well, isn't part of that reason because you're shooting slower rounds too, though? Well, you can shoot slower rounds. I shoot supersonic, you know, my regular deer rounds, and it, it makes it quieter, you know, at the gun, but it still flies in a supersonic speed. So when the bullet's traveling through the air, it's sure. making that sizzle, that, that crack, but uh, it makes it safer at the, you know, at the gun. Yeah, silencers aren't just for hitmen anymore. No, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, so that that article does kind of uh, go into how you would obtain one and, and and the whole nine yards. So I think people will enjoy that. So, the magazine I just got one. Awesome! All right. I just got one for my uh, my two two three, and uh, I have yet to get the barrel threaded. But uh, yes, I really kind of like the fact that you mentioned that you know nowadays uh, if, if I would have known that the gun that I wanted was already pre-threaded for a silencer, I definitely would have bought that rather than having to wait to get my, uh, my barrel threaded. But, uh, um, yeah, that was, that was a good info. I liked it. Well, good. Well, so the magazine is available. Uh, if, if everybody probably walks through a Bass Pro at some time, Bass Pro shops, they're at tractor supply stores, which are everywhere. And it's at Walmart, which is more than everywhere. So yeah. there's there's plenty of chances to walk in and pick one up. Or, you know, we'd love for you to, to sub- subscribe. And I think you can subscribe at GamekeepersClub.com. So it's real in- inexpensive. And it would make a great gift item. Wouldn't you agree, Todd? Oh, sure. absolutely. I, I would agree. Yeah. I, if someone's interested, I don't care whether you own property, you manage property. Uh, you know, even if you... Uh, there, there's articles in there that even if you hunt public ground every year, it can, can be of use to you. Yep. Um, so, yeah, if you're into the outdoors, absolutely. I think everybody needs two subscriptions, you know. There you go. All right, Lanny, you got anything else for Todd? Uh, I do. would like to know, is it, um, is it a crop, crawl, or crawl in your neck of the woods? Uh, I think the scientific name starts with an I, doesn't it? I can't say that word, so I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah, pronounce that for me, and then I'll tell you. I-N-G-L-U-V. I've always known it as a craw, but I've heard it called a crop. Uh, I've always called it a craw. Gotcha. We're just taking a little poll around here. So do y'all have crayfish or crawfish in Minnesota? Well, we have both. Oh. Do y'all, did y'all, do y'all dove yep. hunt? I don't think so. Uh, for about a half a day. And then it's too cold. I'm guessing that, uh, you know, this year we are not going to have any doves. We're, it was like 36 degrees here this morning. So Ooh. typically that, uh, yeah, it's early on. It's a bit early. We're a couple weeks early for weather like that. So, uh, yeah. but uh, usually the doves hit the trail at first real harsh cold snap like that. So uh, right. I, I, I have a few in the yard, but. Well, hearing that about the cold snap gets me excited yeah, as a does. as the old duck hunter over here. I know I mean, Dudley was talking earlier today. The Rockies got a lot of snow, didn't they? Got dumped on pretty good. Yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah you guys waiting for those north winds to blow them down to you? Uh, it's actually pretty uh, nice. It, 
93 today. It's pretty pretty nice outside. So. I'd rather have 36 than 93. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah, but t- at some point, Todd will – Well, I'll talk to Todd. It'll be around the first of the year, and he'll be like, well, I got four feet of snow, and it, it, you know, yep. it's 13 degrees. I'm thinking about moving down to Mississippi hey, now. come on. You can crumb fish. The older I get, <laughs> the, the more I'm liking that warm weather stuff. Well, you're welcome down here anytime, Todd. Absolutely. I know that. I know that. Well – Look, we appreciate you. I know you got to get back to work editing that winter issue that'll be out before too long. So, got to get that done before the rut. Right. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's right. Todd, yes. Todd will get all his work done prior to pre rut. That is what pre rut is. <laughs> They're well, kind of. In fact, I, I will bring my computer in the blind with me sometimes just because, you know, you got to make hay when the sun's shining, that's as right. they say. So. <laughs> yeah, somebody was asking me, like, when do I need to hunt? I'm like, when the when the deer are moving, <laughs> no, right, right. No, the worst thing you can do for your hunting career is have a job <laughs> that doesn't let you hunt. <laughs> All right, Todd, we appreciate you, buddy. Have a good one, boys. All right, see you, Todd. Todd. See you, buddy. When I first bought this farm a short time ago, every single field was growing up with brush eight and ten feet high, but it went from that. To this and even though I planted biologic with very little moisture in the ground I was really amazed at the results I just sat in this field with my wife as she shot her very first deer we could not be happier we made a memory that will last a lifetime all because of the effectiveness of the best food plot seed on the market biologic is better seed pure and simple log on to plantbiologic.com to learn more hey I'm Toxie Hayes and I'm Cuz Strickland You know, here at the Mossy Oak brand, a primary thing that we all believe in is the good that we do will last long after we're all gone, which is why we challenge everyone who loves the outdoors and the critters who call it home to participate in the second annual Mossy Oak Properties National Day of Conservation. That's right, Tox. It's Saturday, September the 26th. We challenge you to do something for conservation. Plant a tree, clean a stream, Hey, introduce somebody to the outdoors. We want everybody to know that if you love the outdoors, you're the tip of the spear and you're a part of this conservation effort. Absolutely. So the most important thing is, are you in? Do you accept the challenge? I accept it. You accept it. It's always good to catch up with Todd. Absolutely, Todd's a great guy. The rude, the rude, and he's on a he's on the food plot. Uh, we actually got a hunt with him on the the Gamekeeper show that aired a couple weeks ago too. Mm-hmm. Get a little peek into his family. Uh, just a, uh, an outstanding family and a, and a the great, heck of a bow hunter. Yeah, great um, guy. I think if I'm not, I mean, we talked about it a few weeks ago, but I think he's got about forty some odd white tail poping young. Yeah, no doubt trophies. about it. He's an amazing guy. That's crazy. And, you know, been gamekeeping as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. And been a part of this place for dang near as long as me. And you, old yeah. Cole. Yeah. <laughs> old Cole. I think a lot of Todd. So. Well, look, anyway. let's move along. Did, you had wanted to talk about muscadines. Yeah, well, I just, you know, it's kind of that time of year. We bebopped in here, and, you know, we are uh, – 
you know, the hunting uh, part of us also, uh, you know, we're, we're hunters and gatherers, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, we really are. That, cause so that, that um, quest for picking stuff up to eat, you know, is really um, near and dear to me as it is Dudley. And you too, Mr. Blackberry, you know, you come in with yeah. fruits and uh, stuff all the time. But um, just noticing that the musky dimes were coming around, people were picking them. There was a couple bags up there. And uh, so I figured, hey. They are delicious, they are and they're delicious. healthy for you. Yeah, so I'm going to preface this a little bit. We've got a table in the front of the office that uh, from time to time, Toxie will find something cool. Like there's a the biggest sunflower head I've mm-hmm. ever seen in my life sitting on that table. People will bring all their leftover squash and tomatoes mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. So It's a little farmer's la- market out there. Last week, we came into, into the office, and there was several uh, Ziploc bags full of uh, different flavors of muscadines. Who, who brought those? Bobby. Yeah. You brought yeah, all of them? I think so. The, the, I brought some muscadines and I brought some scuppernongs. Did you pick those at the Ponderosa? I, it, you know. Or the place formerly he known had, as the Ponderosa? He hadn't named his new place yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. There's, so there's a, there's a, uh, a people that had it before me, had planted a vine and taken care of it and it's trellised and everything. And it was just this just loaded with these black muscadines. And it, then on the other end, I, I've been learning about them, but there were scuppernongs. Mm. And, I've, you know, I've heard about scuppernongs all my life. My grandmother had some, but uh, just recently I've learned more about them than I ever knew. But it's a, it's a, they're, they're so sweet. They're mm-hmm. a lot sweeter than the muscadines. Um, well, what is it, Dudley? Is it a grape? Yeah. It a is grape. a grape, a wild grape. Yeah. Wow. It's in the genus Vitus. Mm-hmm. Um, and they grow wild everywhere. And you, you see the little, you know, the black ones, you know, falling out of the trees. You see the huge vines we grew up, you know, uh, when we were kids, you'd find one near a creek and you could cut it and swing across mm-hmm. the creek and swing back. Tarzan and, style. Uh, <laughs> and then sometimes you'd cut the wrong one. It'd end up being poison ivy, but, uh, that's a different story. So, uh, in the past, people have made selections of, of muscadines, you know, for better taste, bigger fruit. Uh, there's a seedless one. Uh, they're self, some of them are self-fruiting, and some of them are female. And the, the females need a, a self-pollinating one next to it to be able to set fruit. Mm. Um, and uh, there are what they call black and reds. And then you have what they call bronze varieties. So people have found some rare bronze ones in the wild, which doesn't happen very often. Um, and then then you've got people doing cross-pollination and all that stuff. Uh, I think there's a couple of land-grant universities that are working on them. But they're very disease-resistant for the southeast. Mm-hmm. Um, and they taste awesome. Uh, the bronze varieties, uh, Bobby mentioned scuppernong, so... That is one of the bronze varieties, uh, but a lot of people just refer to the bronze ones as scuppernongs. But uh, let's see, Carlos, uh, there's a Fry, there's a scuppernong, there's a Higgins, and a lot of other bronze varieties. Some of the black and red varieties are called uh, Cowart, Hunt, Hunt, uh, a Noble. Mm, um, sounds regal. So, <laughs> you know, there's a scuppernong river in North Carolina. And I'm pretty sure that that's where the first bronze variety was found, which is why they call it scuppernong. Yeah, and they say that there's a mother vine there 
that's over 400 years old. Wow. And it's still growing. Wow. Somewhere in North Carolina. Okay. And you know, some of these wine people from California have tried to cross muscadines, and we've got another one called fox grape that, or summer grape, which is a tiny little grape. Mm-hmm. And so they'll cross-pollinate them with their favorite you know, French champagne or whatever, Pinot, and try to make stuff more disease resistant and, and that oh, kind so of the deal. disease but resistant is wine they're breeding. I tell you what, I, I prefer muscadines over all of them. Really? Um, the black ones? Um, Ooh. I like all of them. Okay, and Bobby just showed us a jar of jelly made out of, made out of his bronze muscadines. Yeah, it, it, this stuff. So I brought some for everybody to try. Oh, oh cool. Right. So, uh, this is a surprise. This is good. This is a surprise. So, uh, this bag that bag, here. yeah, get that bag away from the mic. That held the muscadine. Then I've got one more treat in here for you guys. Oh, I love treats. Biscuits. Bi- biscuits. Ah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's on. I had no idea. Biscuits and right. supper You hear that jar? Mm. Which, so by the sweet. way, jars are impossible to find. That's right what I've now. heard. Shortage of mason jars. Everybody's canon. Can Everybody's I open canon. it? Yeah, that's fine. All right, I'm going to try to make a pop noise. All right. Mm. And this came off the... The... the People that I bought the place from, uh, the, the lady, her name is Pat Burwell, is an incredible cook. Mm-hmm. But she knows how to do all this canning and yeah. whatnot. And she made she we uh, that she sent this to me. She she picked it back maybe a month ago, mm-hmm. and then within a week she had the jelly. And this was off the vines off your place. It was. Oh, yeah. this is cool. Yeah, yeah. So get you a biscuit Let's and try. It. So I don't know, Jason. Can you put a picture up on the? website somehow but Lanny with a biscuit in his mouth <laughs> but this muscadine jelly is the color of what would you call that it's like cane molasses it kind of has a rosé color ooh uh, yeah I wouldn't have called that that I, you know how you don't like rosé well I, no, no. I know you're an angry orchard kind of guy but well the, the, well since you with your social media I was gonna you know, say presence. whiskey but yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a pinkish amber color mmm um, We'd like to. This is brought to you by. <laughs> so what? What are some other jellies y'all like? I love jams. I love. Uh, I like blueberry anything. Yeah. Uh, mm, plum jelly's hard to beat too. And yeah. then, and then if you go south of us, everybody's got that Mayhall jelly that's yeah. so good. That's what I. Uh, oh hell! I lost my train of thought. Imagine that blackberry jelly. Blackberry, mm. really mm. good. What is the difference in jelly and jam? Jam has all the fruit stuff Chunks in, in it. it. That's why I like Jelly's jam. like clear and filtered. Mm-hmm. That is so sweet. It's so good. It's hard to beat. I don't know if you can. I mean, did you, you don't did, have what Did you just eat it or did you put it on a biscuit? I put it on a biscuit. Okay. Yeah. You're quick. Yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> but. I don't know. I mean, I don't know that you can buy muscadines in the grocery store. There's probably farmers markets around that sell muscadines. I wouldn't. I'm just, you know, I guess being in the southeast where I live in the middle of that river bottom, they're everywhere. Yeah, they oh yeah. So, so let me. I really want. Oh, to and deer. Do what you deer do. love them. Yeah, yeah, Turkeys like them. Squirrels. I really want to try what you were talking about creating a trail sport. And then, you know, Big Dave's uh, uncle at the nursery. Well, Big Dave's at the nursery. His uncle's Uncle Jimmy. 
but he can uh, identify the females or the what'd you call the other one? I would have called it male, but like that would have been wrong. Self fruiting, self fruiting variety. I'm sure you can look at the flower and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Okay, Dudley's fixing to take a bite. Here there we go. we go. What do you think, Dudley? It's chewing. It's good. It's good. It's so tart. it's tart. It's sweet. A lot of flavor. Kind of earthy. Mm. I love. I love it. earthy. <laughs> Man. Okay. So let me ask you this. So scuppernogs are rooted in Southern tradition, Southern lore, Southern history. Mm-hmm. Can you guys, this is a trivia question, can you tell me which book actually kind of put the scuppernog Gotta be, uh, into the Southern lore of, of Huckleberry just, Finn? No. Not a Mark Twain? It's a good guess, but no. That's you know, that's, I'm, just gonna you know go with, I'm just going to go with Faulkner. No. No? No. Mm. no. That is mighty fine. To kill a mockingbird. Shut up. Yep. Oh, to kill a mockingbird. Mention scuppernogs. Have some scuppernog. Well, that's the same you, area, right? Producer Cleveland loves muscadines. Um, that's I'm, actually how it made the list. I'm also going to mention that at some point we need to talk about what Jason and his family does every mm-hmm. fall. Uh, growing, uh, is it sorghum or cane? What are y'all growing? Cane. Okay, so they grow sugar cane and make their own syrup. and make their own syrup with all the old timey equipment, and it is a really it neat really process. Good. Yeah, we made some. Um, we seared some tuna and made a hoisin sauce out of that. Man, it was good. Fantastic. Fantastic. I, I just love all this old timey stuff that everybody's starting to do again. You know, I do too. It, I, it all—it's cyclical. It all comes back. But I mean, some of my earliest memories—you were talking about y'all were shelling peas at your house. I mean, some of my earliest memories of my grandparents had a giant garden, and you sat in their screen porch and watched TV and shelled peas. Mm-hmm. And they had a giant Buick Regal. You know, the seat seemed like it was twelve foot long. But you didn't argue because if you started arguing in the back seat, they put a sack of peas in between you. You got the shell peas going down the road. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, my my fingers were purple after this weekend. I'm 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 with you, Dudley. I love love seeing the you know resurgence back to you know not only that's kind of independence to me, but you know taking care of yourself and utilizing the resource in the best way possible. Yep, so. it's a simpler lifestyle. Way more rewarding, you yeah. know. Way more. And, and, you know, there's going to be a lot more coming, you know, from the brand. Obviously, food has always been at a centerpiece of, of the Mossy Oak culture. So, uh, and, and, you know, for us, it's the biggest recruitment tool we've got. So, I guess that means we got to grow some persimmons at the nursery. Mm-hmm. I mean, not persimmons, muscadine. Absolutely. Well, I know where we can get a bunch of seed. Yeah, I've been mm-hmm. saving it. <laughs> Hey folks, it's Jeff Foxworthy. You know, when I was a kid, my dad bought back the farm that he had grown up on, and I absolutely loved that place. I knew every square inch of it. It truly was my favorite place on earth. And when you're looking to find a favorite place for you and your family, Mossy Oak Properties can help. Visit MossyOakProperties.com to begin your search today. What are we going to talk about today on Habit Chat? Well, Dudley, I'm going to turn that one over to you. I got a lot. You know, I got some questions oh, about this. We actually got some questions. 
Yeah, you got. Oh, did you write some, or did we get some? Oh, we got some questions. Yeah, sent in. Yeah, yeah that's sweet. The, that's the Ash um, Dudley I don't, segment. Uh, Jason, Jason didn't tell me what their name was, but okay. I got an email with the questions. One of them was, "What spacing would you recommend on American persimmons, and your recommendations to maximize production in persimmons?" Okay, so, you know, persimmons are dioecious, meaning they're male and female. So half the time you get a male, the other half you get a fruit-producing female. So that said, if you're not going to try to graft them and turn them all into females, you want them a little bit closer together. So I usually space persimmons about 20 feet apart. Um and would that be with all native fruit or, or just specific? Well, persimmon? I mean, a persimmon can become a pretty big tree, mm-hmm. so you would you actually want it spaced a little bit farther than that. But knowing gotcha. that half of them are going to become males, that you may cut some of them down someday, mm-hmm. you're, you're just trying to maximize your space. You know, you're, you're basically planting twice as many sometimes. So, did, Wasn't um, there an old wise tale where you could uh, scar a, a male persimmon and it would morph? It, it can morph into a female. That's that's documented. I've heard of people driving a bunch of nails in a tree or, uh, you know, like a, a dozer bumps into it when they're making a Scars road it. or something, and it will just all of a sudden start making fruits. You think that's a, a response to stress? I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, but the easiest way is just to graft it and turn it into a female. Uh, but, yeah, that's the spacing. And uh, to maximize production, uh, yeah. Uh, get a soil test done, fertilize it properly, give it full sun. Um, they get a disease called black spot. So if you put them down in a super low area that's going to be more humid, mm-hmm. um, you might want to reconsider that and just put them just a little bit up the hill where where the black spot is not going to be quite as bad. That, that usually defoliates them by the time fall, before they get fall color. And so... It can affect the fruit drop if, if the tree doesn't have any leaves on it. So that sounds like every persimmon I've ever seen in my life. They always have the black spots anyway, <laughs> yeah. but it it gets worse and you know down. The, for so the, of course I'm in the bottom. You know they'll I mean? grow up on top of a hill too, but I kind of like them close to the bottom. Mm-hmm. So it's more productive soils. So if a guy's interested in planting persimmons on his tree on his place. What's a minimum number of persimmons that you would plant? Uh, I mean, would you say you need at least five? Well, it's a 50-50 chance, but I would say just go ahead and plant four per area if you're just to make sure you've got one. But even better, I'd encourage you to watch my YouTube video and learn how to graft, and you can make all of them females, and then you don't have to worry about that. You know, YouTube's everywhere, Bobby. It is. Those cameras are everywhere. They get it all. Get it. All right. Well, what, Dada, uh, what is uh, your YouTube channel? Native Nurseries. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I, I, hey, and look, I didn't know he had a YouTube channel. Yeah, oh, he's got a lot of videos um, out there. And get a, get a lot got, of views. I've got one more question. Uh, the other one, it says, what are your favorite types of areas to hunt early season and why? Mm. Um. Well, you know, I'm kind of a tree guy, so I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say I like to find food sources close to the perimeter of my property, so I don't have to go into the middle of my place in early season. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might be a a little pocket of uh, chestnuts I planted a few years ago, or some sawtooth oaks. Um, 
muscadines are still dropping. You may find something in a bottom that's dropping, you know, some big old oaks that have muscadines mm-hmm. all in the top of them. Uh, you know, the native acorns aren't dropping yet in most parts of the country in the early season. So if I'm not hanging over some radishes or some oats or something like that, I'm going to be finding the, you know, the a mast mm-hmm. crop that's dropping. Uh, the, wa- the water oaks just started barely dropping in my house. Okay. That's yeah. very early. It might, very early. might be a result of this all this dry weather. It, it could, could be. It? It could Usually, be. Uh, if you can, I refer to it as a abort. Yeah. Uh, if the cup is still attached to the acorn, that means it was probably aborted from an insect biting it uh, from the from the drought. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's usually an indicator when the when the acorns start dropping heavily and they don't have the cup attached, mm-hmm. you know that that your prime right. time. Yeah, they're not they're not falling rapidly at all. Just so, every now and then. So in the future, I'd like I've got a question. I'd like for you to address on a future podcast. It may be a timeline of what oaks drop and when. That'd mm. be fun, you know. Yeah, because as a bow hunter, you know, when I used to bow hunt before I had kids and had time, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it was all about, finding the hot tree. You know? And I would always, you know, going back to the days when I bow hunted. Back but, in the Indian <laughs> days. <laughs> but uh, the first part of November, those white oaks were strong. Oh, oh yeah. Nothing better. Yeah, and that could be a problem in, in areas where there's a lot of white oaks. Mm-hmm. I mean, where, yeah. you, where you, you know, but if you're in the middle of a pine plantation and you find five or six white oaks. It's on. Woo. That was a problem, you know, down in the bottom at Cottrell Lake. It was unbelievable, but there was no way to pattern. There were so many white oaks. Of course, the deer density was high enough, too, that you'd eventually sit in there and get a shot, but there's no way to know which one they were going to. Now with the pigs, though, they are yeah. vacuuming up those yeah. things as soon as they, they are out competing the deer for them. I think they're out competing everything, <clears throat> unfortunately. I didn't mean to put a sour mood on the show, but me mentioning pigs. <laughs> so, Dad, you got another question? Um, I do, but I'm gonna. I'm just gonna be totally honest here. I don't know the answer to it. I didn't look it up. Uh, maybe one of y'all will know. Ooh, I doubt it. We'll try. Since this is, and you know, I'm I'm not a biologist. I'm a tree nerd, so. Well, I'm not since a this is the either. opening weekend just for just a nerd. <laughs> since this is the opening weekend for dove season, which was last weekend, Whoa. what is the lifespan of a dove? Ooh, Ooh. it's actually longer it than you think it is. I, I'm look I, that up. My, it is. my guess is one to two years. Now, I think it's a little more like can be three to four years. And I, you want to put morning dove because that's what they were referring to. Okay. And a lot of people, including myself, used to think that the doves we were shooting were born this year, but a lot of them aren't. I mean, the the, the dove, you know, those are the those doves are just like young migrating waterfowl. Those doves don't don't have any kind of preconceived ideas of oh my gosh, there's a hunter that we got to be. So yeah, we we do kill those, but it's not the majority of the birds. Interesting. This is saying average around two years up to five years, and that's uh. Looks from. I used to think they North had a Carolina. really high mortality rate, but I learned that it's not as high as I thought it was. I thought it was interesting what Vandy Collins says that the majority of the birds that 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 he has actually stay around there. Didn't he say that most of them come from? Yes, there. They, they, he he does. He feels like he's hunting and shooting local birds mm-hmm. until later in the year. There may be a group of migrants that come through. 
That would make sense. Mm-hmm. But he's very adamant about that. Mm-hmm. that it's well, I mean, birds. he's way down south, so he right. may, they may have already migrated there. You heard what Todd said. It was 36 degrees this morning, and most of his doves have already left. Right. Well, and where Vandy is is kind of that dead Coastal, center of the black belt. Yeah. And that prairie, and that is just dove It's center. dovey for yeah. sure. I mean, Lots of catfish place, ponds. And, if any place is going to have a lot of birds, it's going to be down there. Well, look, this show, we've, we've, we're over an hour already. We really didn't get to go to the Habitat. Why don't we save that for next time? Okay. Uh, well, you know, I think what we were going to talk about is, you know, this, this year, this week's field note is about a properly timed nitrogen application. So, yeah, maybe we can jump on that next week or something, just kind of get Dudley's insight to that. I know, you know, you're more about quality soils than pelletized and, and fertilizers and everything else, but... Um, understanding, you know, I don't think a lot of people understand what, you know, triple 13 is, what, you know, 13, 13, 13 is, what makes up the other parts of those things and different application times and methods. There's a proper way to do it. Um, and there's an, an improper way to do it. Mm-hmm. So, and we'll which do, I, we can set the next week. To do this topic justice, I think we, yeah, we, we don't need to be take a minute. with it. Yes, we so. probably need to devote most of a podcast to that. Go. Oh. Well, so this is uh We've been talking for an hour? Yeah, we have a little over an hour. Golly. Yeah, everything else. I like so. this food thing. Mm. Yeah, you do. So yeah. we all do. So well look, uh, we appreciate y'all listening. We do have one offer for everybody. If the, if you're interested, we've got uh, the guys uh, that are building our gamekeepers fieldware have a teal special where you can save uh, sixty dollars or I think it's 30%. But they've got a special if you'll go to gamekeepersfieldware.com. Gamekeeper Fieldware, yeah. And it's, uh, the, it's called the Teal Special, and it's a cruiser jacket and original shattergrass, cruiser pants and original shattergrass, and a bottomland bird vest. And it's 30% off. They got that all packaged up. All packaged up, and I think it's going to last for about 10 days, two weeks. All right. So I'm just get passing that along. Hey, have you ever found a dove nest? I've seen them, yes. Have you? Yes. Hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the speaking of that, you, boy, you were really Random good at, comment of the, the day down. by Lanny Wallace. Hey, man. Putting Anybody down that knows me know where they get <laughs> But these Eurasian, collared Eurasian dogs, yeah. seeing, one of the things that they're so worried about is that they actually will go in and push a morning dove out of their nest and take take it over. And, and nurture the eggs or... Now, I don't know about because there's a bird that does that. And, no, there's a bird that goes in the wood duck boxes and, and drops, drops an egg in yeah. there, and the wood duck raises yeah, it. Yeah, there's some diver ducks. Merganzers. Yeah. Mer, mer. Neil Hayes' favorite duck, the merganser. Mm. Just playing. All right, guys. All right. Well, y'all go to gamekeeperfieldware.com. Check that out. And uh, we'll have another podcast hopefully next week. We appreciate y'all listening. And if you like what you hear, if you give us a good rating, we sure would appreciate it. And invite some other folks to listen. Tell so. your buddies. Yeah. So thanks Dudley. for the biscuits, Bobby. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. very welcome. Lanny, won't you give us your little soon-to-be patented trade phrase? Get us out of here, Cleve. <laughs> thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast, and be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine, and don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy Ronnie Cuz Strickland.